there and welcome to Leader Talk with Fintan Duffy. This week we have the concerns over the future for Mullingar Hospital's A&E firmly in our sights. Where to now for Longford football after yet another first round defeat in Leinster. We look at the HSC and its difficulties in providing files on children in care. And we've got some more suggestions on what we can do in Longford to ride out the recession. Well, on the Leader Talk panel this week, I'm joined by Pat O'Rourke, former president of the ICMSA, and also by Pat O'Toole from St. Christopher's here in Longford Town. Of course, also former PRO of the Longford County Board. You're both very welcome to the Leader Talk podcast. Thank you, Fenton. Now, we want to start with one of the stories which is um, dominating local news uh, this week and will do for the coming weeks, I'm sure, and that's Mullingar Hospital and the threat to services at the A&E there. Pat O'Rourke, to bring you in here first, it's worrying to hear that uh, our only access to an A&E service here in Longford may become 8am to 8pm. That's the fear. It is, I suppose. This is one of the things that infuriates uh, people in any community is that if a basic right of uh, medical care is under threat or being removed it really exercises people and you can see from the coverage in in the Longford Leader this week that I think all the various political uh, people have uh, got involved in it but I think you know that this what we need to do is to look at it is that for maybe too long and we go back to when the hospital in Longford was removed that we go with cap in hand to the authorities saying please can we have I think this time round we need to do it slightly different. Uh, and maybe I'm being provocative here. If you read the papers uh, and the various political politicians, county councils, etc., some of them are suggesting that we open up a, uh, some sort of a petition or otherwise. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's a very simple thing we do here. We have two government TDs. The government at the moment, we know the numbers and how it adds up. And I believe that Deputy Kelly and Deputy uh, Mary O'Rourke need to go to the Taoiseach and get it categorical, clear, unequivocal guarantee that the hospital, the services that are there, will continue. Mm. And this idea of saying, well, we, we'll go and we'll meet uh, the Minister for Health, uh, Mary Harney, who is um, a former PD. Uh, I don't think that's good enough. Because we allow a situation where we're talking the hospital out of existence. There's one thing certain sure that it probably will happen. So what we need to do immediately... And I, I believe that the Fianna Fáil County Councillors need to meet and say the strategy is we get a commitment from the government, from the Taoiseach, because HSE are saying that everything is going to continue as is. Now, the HSE are saying that, but the HSE, in my view, is not good enough. We need the Taoiseach to give a categoric written guarantee. And therefore, on that basis, then, we... we, we can proceed on the basis of what the HAC is saying but, is but, that it will continue. Clear, though, that, um, we've seen this in Monaghan Hospital, we've seen this in Ennis and elsewhere, that uh, essentially the, uh, the ministers and the politicians need, uh, have been told, you're out of this now, it's the HSC who make the medical and clinical decisions for the best, uh, I was going to say customer care, but the best patient care. So, uh, I mean, if, if they're not allowed to do their job, why are they there? Well, if you take the HSC responsibility, I think in the first instance is to provide care for the community of mm. which the people of Lamford and Westmead are entitled to. That's their job. The same as your job is in broadcasting, the same as there's this job specific that they have to do. What we have to make sure is that the services that we were getting 
in Mullingar continue. And I don't subscribe to this idea that the HSE are untouchable. The HSE is not the IMF. Mm. The HSE have to be held accountable. The Minister for Health, the government, ultimately are the people who have to exercise the democratic process, which is they are going to be held responsible. The HSE have to fulfil their responsibilities. Mm which is not to have a situation where when we pick up the local papers, here we have the fear. There are people this morning who are planning maybe to go to Mullingar or may uh, an accident may occur. The last thing they want is to arrive and the door shut. That's not acceptable yeah. today. Arrive and be sent to Tullamore and uh, Pat O'Toole, that, that's the way it's looking like. It's looking like Tullamore is now going to be our centre of excellence. Yeah, and I suppose the, the big problem with that, Fenton, is that access for, for starters, I mean... Uh, the distance to Tullamore on a, on, a, on a really bad road network from 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 Longford from any part of Longford really, mm. uh, you know I agree with what Pat says because I think it should be taken into the political arena. Uh, obviously, I deal pretty much as I'm working in the health services, deal very much with with um, HSE and HSE personnel. And this time of year, of course, hospital managers uh, would obviously be exercising themselves and within keeping within budgets and so on. And you hear about, well, the closure of wards. And I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. I just read the article in the Longford Leader. I'm not too sure uh, if it's kite flying, really. Are they yeah, talking apparently about... Apparently, it's to do with the lack of junior doctors yeah. and that all of these services are under review, given yeah, their yeah. staffing uh, capabilities. So I suppose that's what the yeah, point Yeah, well, if you find at this time of year, the, you know, the hospital managers are looking at, at um, say, we close a ward for two months, we'll mm. save so much save so much on the pay and the non-pay side and things like that. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I could not see an A&E service I mean I've been thankfully not that often had to use Mullingar A&E fabulous mm. service but I couldn't see it operating unless it's operating around the clock yeah. it's a 24, 24 and by, by even definition A&E is a 24 hour service yeah and yeah. I, I happen to, to have the unfortunate need for that particular service recently and uh, I would be saying that it needs vast improvement as opposed to any curtailment because it was packed. Yeah. It, to be fair now, Absolutely. and people might not like the use of this phrase, yeah. but it was like a war zone <laughs> yeah. with all sorts of patients, with all sorts of needs, old, young and everything, people on trolleys. Yeah. The staff were at the end of their tether. So I'd be saying that, you know, Instead this of need, it needs, it needs to be enhanced. And it needs to yeah. be bigger. It needs it to be bigger. And it just, it, because, it, Pat, you know, maybe we should be talking about the fact that the service is not good enough and it's not delivering what, what it should be delivering. Well, I, I suppose there is not, we've all been there at various times with either um, parents or whatever having to go to A&E. It is horrendous on the basis of, from the patient's point of view, the waiting that has mm. to take place, and indeed the staff and the pressure that they're under. And they're trying to do the best they can. Uh, it baffles me to know why that is allowed to happen. Like that if you take it then the basis the managers are, are there, they're appointed to deliver a service. And uh, I'm not criticizing, I'm simply saying that uh, it is not acceptable it, with all the technology and all the management skills that are there that you have staff under enormous pressure coping with the amount of people that are coming in uh, and that happens every day you and I go there and we're in there that we go through we go away and we do our own thing but the staff are in there 24-7 mm. having to cope with that and yet we have managers and we're not going to get into this whole thing about how the HSE is managed but it's not acceptable I don't know of any politician who can stand up and say we have an excellent service and we're proud of it they all talk about, well, there's people on trolleys for maybe 10 hours and that might be mm. reduced to eight hours. That's not good enough. No, no. And what always baffles me is that you go into Mullingar a and you're not an accident, you're not an emergency, you're a medical case. 
but yet you're sitting there with people who have just fallen off their motorbike. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can never get that yeah. one straight. The, <laughs> yeah. Why don't they just split it up nope. and just say triage over there, yeah. children yeah. over yeah. here, yeah. you know? But is it not because we have tolerated, we have, what I said earlier is that we have allowed a situation where we go with cap and hand saying, please can we have. Mm. What we should be saying is that as far as the people in Longford and Westmead are concerned, we're entitled to a service that's run professionally, that delivers within a set period, that we know that if you go in to the accident emergency in Mullingar, you are going to be dealt with within an hour on the basis you either go in or you're sent off somewhere else because yeah. there's a bed. But this thing of waiting could be 10 hours, yeah. could be 15 hours. Like, that's an incredible situation. You know, and tempers you, get frayed. Well, you know, well, they do. well obviously, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the patients are in pain, yeah. the relatives are there, they see the stress, etc. It is inevitable that there is tensions. Mm. But... You know, if, if somebody just happened to come in and hear the conversation, they think, well, we're talking about a third world service. Yeah. We're talking about a service where there has been millions poured into it uh, that have changed from they used to have the, the Midland Health Board and the change in the toilets that that was going to magically transform everything. Yeah. Sadly, it's failed. failed yeah. It has yeah, failed. Yeah, yeah. And, and Pat, in, in your work I, I, with St. Christopher's, I know you don't want to um, pick out any, any particular instance, but... Do you find dealing with the HSE as a bureaucracy, is it is it difficult? Do you have to really work the system to get anything done? Well, deal, dealing with the HSE locally and, and for our for our services, disability services, we deal with Tullamore, the disability unit in Tullamore, regional disabilities. It's not a problem. We have a very good working relationship with them. But we find the problem is nationally. I, I'm involved with the National Federation of Voluntary Bodies, which is an umbrella group for all 60 voluntary agencies in the country providing services for disability, people with disabilities. And it's back to a HSE corporate problem again. Mm-hmm. For instance, the Dáil will vote... F- in, in 2009, the budget for disabilities was £8.5 million agreed at, on budget day and voted through the Dáil by, obviously, by, by, by the, the TDs. Yet, HSE corporate raided the disability budget, took £5 million out without any reference... In other words, usurped the Dáil's mm-hmm. authority, if you like, and used it to effectively shore up some other aspect of the probably the acute services yeah um put it in perspective there's 20 20 billion is the health the health budget one billion is a disability budget and yet it's been raided and and and, and that's a big problem for us that's a big problem for us nationally we're in st christopher's and we we be holding just holding the line on the budget because of obviously the cuts of the last number of years mm. but that that's one of the problems we find that the accountability at corporate level, HSE corporate level, the, you'll probably look at the TV the other night and see Barry Andrews shaking his head ruefully about information he required. We yes. probably would have co- maybe covered later. You know, here's the minister looking for information yeah. that he should have on his desk the minute he looks for it. Right. And they say, we have it for you at the end of June. But are they pro- who, who's, with the example you've, you've used there, where the Dáil voted in uh, a particular budget and it was raided by... Who's brought a book on that? Who is there anybody you can approach or and say, why did you do that? And whose authority did you do that? And when are you going to replenish the budget that you were voted on? Well, we, we, we'd have taken this up with Minister Maloney, who has the responsibility for disability and mental health. And eventually, when, when that ended up with the, in the Taoiseach's office, mm. they were very surprised that this had happened. We weren't surprised. We knew it had happened. It had happened previously. And yeah. we probably, there's 19 million voted in, through the Dáil for disability services this year. And we're wondering, 
Yeah. I what, get the feeling the politicians could be walking yes. into the HSE every day of every week saying, hey, what are you at? Uh, well, yeah. it goes back to the, who governs who. It yes. seems to have yes. got this the reverse the situation here. Yeah. Yeah. The HSE seem to, the, it's, they will do what they see as suits them rather than what mm. we say. That the, if you have an expectation that there was a budget of X amount for your particular sector, well, it's not unreasonable to expect that that's going to be implemented. An yeah. instruction was given, the minister voted, it was voted on the door, one would expect. I know from being involved, um, and I'm not criticising anybody, but I do know that being involved in the agri-sector if there was a vote in the doll that there was X amount yes. of money going to be spent, he'd be certain sure it wasn't going to be pilfered or brought <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. look at it. Oh, that, 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 that is, we, that's, we acknowledge that in, in from 2002 or 2001 to 2008, there was unprecedented levels of funding provided for disability services. And we, we certainly acknowledge that, and there was a multi-annual programme that was delivered on. Mm. But in recent years, since uh, 2000, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, those years, okay. it seems each of those years the disability budget has been rated, and right. significantly so. Okay, while we're on the subject of HSE and health, let's just um, finish up with the other topic we want to cover uh, today, and that's this whole idea of children in care, the children who died in care. As you mentioned, uh, Minister Andrews, basically... Um, you know, putting his hands up, saying, you know, they, 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 I don't know what they're doing. I, no one will talk to me. HSE said they couldn't deliver the information. Then there was promised legislation to make them do it. And suddenly uh, we're, we're going to get it straight away. Pat O'Rourke. Well, I think it's obvious in this one that the, the minister and the dog called their bluff mm. and said, look, could you either deliver the information and not hide behind some sort of uh, legal advice somewhere that somebody got or otherwise. If you're not going to do it, the doll, and I would have to compliment the minister indeed, the doll for standing up and saying, look, we need that information, we want it now, if you're mm. not going to prepare to do it, we will use the doll and we will pass uh, legislation to force you to do it. And what happened? Immediately they caved in and handed it. But what it does show is that uh, the, the HSE, for whatever reason, feel that they don't have, are answerable to nobody. Mm. Uh, and maybe on this one now, when they realise that, you know, the government and the TD and democracy ultimately are the bosses, uh, that they may, they, they may get more um, um, compliant yeah. in requests that were made. It, it's well, there is going to be a change. Brendan Drum is uh, departing the yes. scene, so there'll be a new boss in, and uh, maybe the new broom will sweep clean, yeah, or I be mean, told to sweep clean. I know Fintan, two, two prospective candidates have turned it down already. So, I yeah. <laughs> But I would say that, <laughs> the, 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 on, on a, if you take, there isn't a household in the country, but are aware who Brendan Drum is. Yeah. Mm. Like that he seemed to be, for whatever <laughs> reason, yeah. whether it was a political cop-out that if it was his problems, oh, it was, it was Professor Drum was, yeah. was the cause of or yes. whatever. Yeah. His salaries, his bonuses. Yeah. Everybody heard about him. Yes. Uh, you know, the Messiah arrived, he was going to do great things. He, the Messiah yeah. is now leaving yeah, yeah. and we still don't seem to have yeah. achieved he's got a, a substantial salary it was agreed etc he got bonuses or whatever mm. but at the end of the day uh, you know we've talked about Mullingar we've talked about it. It, he, it didn't for whatever reason it didn't happen and he didn't make it happen yeah, and I think it was interesting on that Fintan to see um, the ministers as, as Pat said the minister Mary Harney obviously and probably the Taoiseach saying look we want this information by Friday noon mm. and it has been delivered on yeah. so I think the, if they were to keep that the momentum going in relation to, to, to issues like all the issues that are involved with the HSE, I think we would get results. I think the politicians have to take this back. The Department of Health and Children, we don't ever hear of them now at all. You know, so exactly. I mean, there is a role there, there's no doubt about that. All right, we want to uh, also talk a little bit about the VHI a little bit later, but we'll move uh, from the subject of health to uh, mortgages at the moment. And one of the big stories this week has been the fact that mortgage arrears 
are on the rise and um Pat O'Rourke, uh, I, I think it was Matthew Elderfield, the financial regulator, who said this week that this is going to be one of the biggest legacy issues of the financial crisis. And uh, it is shockingly worrying that uh, so many people now just can't p- meet their bills. Well, it's, I think the statistics are clear. About 13% of 32,000 uh, people owing about $6.1 billion are now uh, three months in arrears. So, you know, when some say, well, it's only three months... Uh, I can't see what's going to happen in the next three months that's suddenly going to turn around that if they're in the arrears presently mm. one will expect that that's going to continue because the job creation isn't there uh, the frustration I suppose from the individuals and we've seen I think in the late late back some time ago where there was couples brought in and they were describing their their situation um, and the annoyance is that and we're not going to get into the whole economic argument about all the monies that's poured into the banks but people you know, would say that from a social justice point of view that there should be some mechanism there to alleviate the negative equity or the fact that people are living in homes, they're not being able to pay the mortgage and the inevitability of that is that the banks are going to repossess them. But look, at it's like repossessing them. Nobody's going to buy them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many empty houses are around the country, etc., etc. So I think what needs to happen here is that there needs to be, the government needs to come up with we say, a strategy as to how to deal with it. I know the guy said there's no silver bullet. There was a bullet found for the banks. Mm. We're going to find a smaller bullet for the VHI, and we'll talk about that later on. So it seems that some people, for whatever reason, always come top of the list when that bullet is found and it appears for whatever reason that individual mortgage holders are going to be left on their own but the solution to it um, what I think is going to what is going to happen is that there is going to have to be a a type of an situation not invented by government but that the economic reality of it is that if you pick an estate where it's fairly new etc and they bought in the very expensive times uh, and there's a high percentage of those people unemployed well, those houses, they can be repossessed by the banks. Mm. Local authorities or social welfare are going to have to find houses for the families that are homeless. So leave yeah. them there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come to some arrangement. Rent them back out. Rent, rent them rent back, back out. out. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, the yeah. problem's up. Now, I know the other side of that, and you have to look at it, is that uh, that's fine. Uh, there are people who have scraped, who have given up an awful lot of luxuries, who have saved and have complied with the mortgage through thick and thin. And they mm. say, well, hold on a minute now. We stuck our shoulders to the wheels. We saw and here the other guys. But look at um, in all situations where people get into a, a serious problem and housing is a basic right. If the government ignore it, they're going to have to provide the houses anyhow. So, um, I, in my opinion, what's, what what is going to happen is that um, the people aren't going to be able to pay the mortgage. Uh, hopefully, after about maybe two, I know there's a guarantee for two years, and that'll probably be extended maybe you know to, to five or whatever. But that ultimately, the solution to all of this is if we get the economic recovery where people back working again mm. and that instead of we say the 30 year mortgage it could end up being a 40 year mortgage but in time it can be managed and we need to I think focus on the solutions rather than simply saying we have 32,000 people who aren't paying the mortgages and we have silence as to what we're going to do about it yeah uh, yeah I th- I'd agree with that because um, what Pat said if if, if What's the point in repossessing a house that you cannot sell? Mm. The family then go have, will probably go on to the waiting list for a house. It's an adventure to, to do some deal with them that they're paying something, what they can afford to pay. Yeah. 
until maybe things pick up and uh, and would it be your view that you know because of the situation with the banks and the recapitalization and all the taxpayers money that's gone in that you know normal rules don't apply here and normal banking rules don't apply absolutely and i mean that that's the problem we're finding that the banks don't seem to reciprocate you know how how they've been treated by the taxpayer and and the government and 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 actually there's obviously a, a good PR social dividend there for 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 everyone involved as well and, and the banks themselves mm. and as I said now I know they came one of the leading bankers came out yesterday to say that going the repossession route is the very very last option but some people who are uh, we've heard on radio and on TV shows saying it was they thought it was the first option you know, you know. okay but, but uh, just just yeah. finally that what I, what I would say and I, I I agree with Pat that it's not the banks are not going to move in and evict people because there's something about the Irish people that an eviction yeah. uh, in the present environment where there has been billions poured into the bank and if they now find that some bank decides to evict a couple with a couple of young kids that in my view is tantamount we had a crowd around before that used to do a lot of evictions they got <laughs> ran in the end didn't they <laughs> I would say some would say maybe we should have focused on running the banks out sooner uh, but anyhow uh, yes. okay I uh, want to move away from all these serious issues to uh, football for a moment Pat uh, O'Toole uh, you were county board PRO here in Longford for many's a long day and uh, we went to Port Leash, a few of us, uh, last uh, week and uh, got beaten by Louth in the first round of the championship again. Our annual outing is now over, waiting for the back door. Uh, that's right, Fintan. I, I suppose um, we've had we've had uh, very few good outings, um, particularly in Port Leash. In, in quite in in the last number of years, and again we're out in the very first round. But it was, I think. Rather depressing on two fronts as was a display and um, the attendance, the support that the team has. Because traditionally Longford going into the first round of a championship, even if, if we were talking annual outing, we'd always be very competitive and we'd have at least 3,000 supporters. I've never, I don't recall ever going, you know, I think someone said it was about 400 people from Longford there. And you got that impression when the teams came out. Mm. Uh, and the display overall was, it looked more like damage limitation, sort of one of those inept performances. You were never going to win it. Yeah. Or they, we didn't seem to ever, go, we were ever going to win it. And um, it, it was all round. I think I think the only thing, and it's not it's, it's not a positive at all, was that the, our forum in the league sort of stood up. We were, we just beat London and Kilkenny. Uh, so you know I, th- I think and, and that was a poor loud side yeah, for football in the <coughs> county uh, the worrying thing for me is as I look at it from, from way on the outside is that the players aren't coming through the top guys we have on that senior team they're coming to the end or near the end of their careers and there doesn't seem to be the next Paul Barden the next David Barden all these people coming through uh, you know earning their spurs at this stage well, that's true, Fintan, and I suppose we, we'd have a relatively good set of forwards, although David Bard and Porrick Berry, uh, Brian Kavanagh were missing last, mm. last Sunday, and Kevin Smith was a, a midfielder uh, who would have made a big difference if he had him in there as well. But there is certainly a worrying situation in relation to good defenders, and we have maybe, we need two or three maybe big, strong guys who can play central positions and, and that, that that's what we need as well but yes go back to the 2002 minor winning team Leinster minor winning team I think two guys started on Sunday yeah. and uh, whereas club football is very strong yes but maybe absolutely. maybe there are people maybe there it's too strong too strong yeah. and uh, if, if you took Mead on the other hand who won their game by what was it 10 or 12 points 
they play most of their league games there's never county players involved there's never any great interest in their leagues up there yeah. uh, it's, it's often been very hard to get the teams in Longford to play without their county players in, 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 le- in league games and things like that you know? so maybe the, the emphasis is still very much predominantly on club football to the detriment of the county scene mm. uh, Pat O'Rourke um, a lot of money goes into uh, supporting uh, Longford GEA and the big race days and one thing and another it looked to me like a very poor return on investment last uh, last weekend well I, I don't think the people that go and support the race days are expecting that as a result of that that the Sam Maguire is going to arrive in Longford but you know be even on a visit <laughs> well yeah but it, 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 look there's no the, 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 there's no point in we trying to equate the money invested with, with it the bottom line is I wouldn't agree with Pat to say that the reason that it didn't happen on Sunday was the crowds weren't there I think it was on the pitch not on the okay. sideline but mm. leaving that aside the only thing I would say and I, I'm not involved in football but when I was uh, in St Mel's we used to play with St Mel's and St Mel's was in college football what Kerry is in, in, mm. in, in, in national uh, we had we won them all we were and it never transferred then from college football to the county and it was something I could never understand. Maybe it's that just after the leaving that people left or whatever. But Mel's also had the Leitrim contingent and, you know... Well, the well people, they had, came but I wouldn't, I wouldn't... Know, and I was involved in college. They had, but that wasn't... You know, it wasn't... It was... There was... There was when the minute you went into first year into Mel's, you were, the try was to get on that team and there was, mm-hmm. there was huge focus on training and training and training. Whereas if you take it Longford County... There is a huge commitment to club football, and for whatever, whether it is that people say, well, it's only going to be a one-day wonder. They're going to go out in the championship. They're going out on the first day. There's only going to be 400 or whatever amount of people yeah. there. Whereas club football, winning the county championship, now there's excitement and there's drive what, and there's yeah, competition. It, it means something. Yeah. It does indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I couldn't believe when when we were walking into the game, the Meath match was on uh, in in the uh, towards the latter part of the first half. We we're walking in, and it was like. I don't know, it's like walking down the normal street <laughs> on a Sunday. There was nobody, nobody. outside the ground. Yeah. There was nobody coming in. The Longford yeah. crowd weren't there. There was no push on parking yeah, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. 7,000, I think, for four counties that yeah. were playing on, on, on yeah. that day. And uh, there has been quite a few, um, you know, we, we've had letters to papers already this week and even some players in different counties talking about that the public have been priced out. It's just too expensive to go to a game and... Uh, you by the time you actually take your 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 uh, your admittance and your travel and mm-hmm. your food and everything like that, it's an expensive day out now. But it is, and and it yeah. is, yeah. and it is, and yeah. I mean maybe for an amateur organisation as or as as a GA is, maybe we should we should look at our pricing structure. Mm. And uh, I I think that you know it's different. I mean for all Ireland finals and things like that, they're, but they're, they're national occasions. They're sold out practically in advance anyway. But for the for first round championship games, you know, uh, I think we've got to look maybe at at the way we've, we're pricing it. You know. All right. Okay. Well, let's take another look at something we're pricing this week, and we're pricing the VHI. The government is about to sell it, um, Pat O'Rourke, and uh, they want to pump a lot of money into it first to sort out its solvency issues. In other words, it's broke as well, like everything else in this country. Well, it is. It's it's a fairly complex story, and I suppose where I believe where this has been driven is from an EU directive. Uh, and I've been involved in agriculture and the EU directives you postpone them you postpone them but eventually ultimately, yeah. ultimately <laughs> they have to deal and with what it. this is about yeah. is that there's an EU directive there and it's based on, on commercial activity that you can't have a situation where an insurance company is involved in commercial activity and doesn't comply with the same financial regula- regulatory requirements the Queen Group we know what happened they didn't have enough reserves from the regulatory point of view to cover liabilities mm. VHI 
if the same rules were apply, they would be gone because they do not have the reserves. And that's what the row is about, that they need to get sufficient reserves built up in order to be able to meet the liability and comply with the EU directive. Mm. That's what, what isn't being highlighted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. the minister now is looking to say, and I, I suppose the only way is get rid of it, privatise it. it. Yeah. But in order to privatise it, it must comply with the financial regulators' requirement that they have sufficient reserves, hence to put up the 300 million that they're going to have to, mm. to, to bolster it up and then sell it. But what I do find a bit disingenuous is that in the articles that have been published, what the minister is saying is that there's not a word about the EU directive and saying, you know, yeah. we're, we're facing the court. The courts Gosh, are yeah. moving on it. This was and an initiative <laughs> that was yeah. announced yes, by the, yes, the government. Well, I know <laughs> from being involved in nitrate directives, I tell you, when the, the European courts start sending letters to the relevant ministers suddenly there's a real focus that and that's the way it yeah. works but th- this idea of equalization saying that they want to see the premiums be the same if vhi is going to be commercial it'll be a commercial criteria you sell it off Finton Duffy buys it, he would be looking at the base of it generating money. Mm. And this idea about social conscience saying, oh, well, we'll continue to lose money and we'll give cheaper premiums to elderly people. That's not. Commercial reality will be that it will be the same as the Queen Group or whoever they are. Yeah. Uh, so it's about the EU directive. It's about privatising, selling it off and coming up with the 300 million. And how they can say, how the minister can say, and I haven't been able to work this out, maybe Finton or, or Pat has, that if they put in the 300 million, right, into VHI, mm. that they're going to get it back when they sell it. Now, that's what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. And that, to me, yeah. just, I, I can't, yeah, I, I can't make, I can't, yeah, it doesn't add up. They seem to have decided a market yeah. price for this thing before yeah. it's sorted out. Uh, no, as the minister last night when she was on prime time saying that, in actual fact, VHI has plenty of cash reserves. Mm. And we yet heard that from Quinn, <laughs> from the Quinn group as well. Yeah, and yet we have to we have to put in three hundred million now before we actually mm. it's fit to sell or fit for purpose in terms of sale. Yeah. It's 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 baffling, and I suppose the heading on one of the papers this morning was uh, health insurance to increase. You'd, yeah, you'd be thinking with an, uh, an even playing field. I know there's the, the risk equal, risk, risk equalisation mm. aspect of the VHI and the others. Uh, Quinn and Aviva having to pay them whatever it is for, for that for that aspect of it but you would imagine that the other would be the case that you'd have premiums coming down if you have three players going in on an equal footing and maybe somebody else coming into the market as well yeah. but uh, doesn't it beg the question though that uh, if so many of us need to purchase private health insurance that we have you know an, a national health yeah. service that's not yeah. actually delivering that's because you know it's either one thing or the other is is it would you agree pat that maybe it's time to say look we have we want a national health service full yeah. stop yeah and why do people purchase private insurance because they have obviously no fit in what's the what the alternative is yeah you know and and i suppose we 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 would certainly look at an nhs system across the water and, and see how well it has worked for them mm-hmm. and uh, i am i'm sure that 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 we could do something different we're a pretty small country and a small economy i would imagine we should be able to do something yeah. like that but, but one of the questions that i i know that <laughs> not time to debate it today but where the minister is saying in the articles that she wants to protect uh, the, the elderly on the basis of the premium hikes mm. or whatever but if you look at it on a commercial basis VHI is not commercial because they are supported by government they don't have to t- play by the same that's rules right. that's accepted but if you look at the statistics 94% of the over 80s right are with VHI that's commercial <laughs> reality yeah. mm. they weren't with the Queen Group they're not right. with, with, with Viva, the no. Viva yeah. uh, and I think about 90% of those over 70 are with VHI mm. now 
I'd love to ask the minister, you know, when you sell VHI, which you're going to do and you have to do because otherwise uh, you're in trouble with Europe, when you sell it, what's now going to happen in a commercial environment where the VHI are going to have to make money, are going to have to create reserves to comply with the, with, 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 uh, the, the regulator? What's now going to happen to premiums for those that are over 80? Mm. Exactly, the market will decide, I suppose, yes, that, that's and that's the fear. Yes. And yeah. we're getting more like America every day. For yeah. you know, and it, it would be it would be shocking to think yeah. that we'd get to a stage in this country where people, certainly in their in the latter stages of, the, of their life, can't afford healthcare to see them through because literally the 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 price has gone up. And if you don't have the insurance, you don't get the treatment. Just on the side, I was talking to a consultant uh, recently who'd worked in America, and I thought it was the classic. He used an example of how the American system works. Mm. If you were mowed down by a juggernaut on the highway you're picked up you're brought in an ambulance you lose your legs you're fixed you're saved right unless you have insurance they won't give you the legs and as he says from a commercial <laughs> point of view you think it would make more sense save the guy then give him his his artificial legs and get him out working but yeah. no no you're saved from dying yeah but after that you're on your you're own. On your own. <laughs> hopefully, it'll never happen never, here. Hopefully, okay. that would never That's happen. a lovely <laughs> thought. All right, we we want to end on a, on a positive note if we can, and um, just to take a look at Longford, the place we we, we live in uh, every day. We just wanted to see if there's one thing, one idea we can put forward that will help Longford move through uh, this recession and these difficult times. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Pat O'Rourke, just to, to get us off the the mark on this one. Is there one thing in your mind that we could do that could help us along the way? Uh, I believe there is. It's like I suppose uh, preparing for this interview and, and uh, looking to say what is the one thing we could do. It's like you know going into Santa Claus saying right, you have one particular. Yes. Well. And in my view, what I think to, to be positive and constructive, uh, we know where we're at in Longford unemployment rates, etc. We are where we're at. But I think what we need to do, there's a multitude of agencies in 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 Longford and involved in in various community initiatives myself. But what I think we need to do is to form uh, a committee uh, for jobs for Longford on the basis that the, all the agents, all the expertise would sit down in Longford, draw up a plan saying, this is what we want. Mm. Presently, what, what's happening, because the way the system is, we wait for the IDA in Dublin, we wait for uh, Enterprise and Employment Minister to come and announce something or otherwise. What we need to be doing is, rather than we waiting for it to happen, we need to make it happen. So we say, we draw up a plan or whatever, we utilise our strengths. For example, I raised this recently at a County Development Board meeting with, with FOSS, who are doing excellent work on the basis of trying to reskill etc but annually and i don't have the exact figures but you can assume that there's probably about a thousand students that will graduate out of universities uh this month mm. okay uh, that's a huge asset it's a huge skill from longford it was pa the parents in Longford who have educated them, who have made the sacrifice, who have contributed. Now that they are ready and able and willing to utilise their education, their skills. But what's happening? We have none. There is no opportunity in yes. Longford for those graduates right, to yeah. come back here. So I, I'm not whinging. I'm simply saying the reality. What can we do mm. to utilise what we have? So a jobs uh, a task force. Jobs for Longford on the basis of setting a five-year plan saying this is what we need to do in order to... Because if we wait, if we wait for somebody else to make it happen, yeah. we'd be waiting sometime. Yeah, I always think that, when I, especially when I look at, say, the pages of the Longford Leader and I see this committee and that committee, and, and no harm to anyone here now, and I'm not trying to be <laughs> ageist or anything, yeah. but when you see people who are involved in the community, they're always of a certain age and a certain vintage. 
the young people that go through college and get these degrees and have all this experience from traveling around the world, there is no good reason whatsoever for them to ever consider living in Longford because there's no jobs here, there's no prospects here. And so you're losing all that energy, you're losing all that talent education skin. and talent. And God knows we could do it at Pat, yeah, Pat yeah. O'Toole, just to, oh, you know, yeah. to put a bit of an engine behind the yeah, press. Yeah, and I no, it's difficult because Pat is saying if you if you have to form another another committee and another task force and that and people will say well there are it's you're duplicating this yeah. or the other but yeah and I, I think the small to medium sector as well you know I think that that the government could come in there are I'd say numerous small to medium enterprises throughout the county that if they were to get a holiday from PRSI and things like that that they would probably uh, employ more people and that you know I think that, that we've we've Pat's idea is fine, and I, I, I can go. I'd go with it as well. Mm. But yes, I think there, there, there are things like that will have to be done, and and it, it's it would be terrible to see those young people that Pat has referred to, not alone leaving Longford, but leaving Ireland, mm. as is what's happening. You know, in so many, many right across the board now. Well, it, it, I suppose there's no club that has a silver lining. They're not because there's a world recession. Yeah, okay, yeah. a lot of them are going, and we won't get into the debate. They're going <laughs> off to Australia, going for a year, hiking and, and so doing yeah, whatever. Yes, yes, and let yeah. them off. And they're yeah, dead yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah. Let, let them off. <laughs> but, but we have an opportunity where there's no other areas competing. But if we don't do something in Longford ourselves, yeah. as Finton has identified, we have that asset. It's not if we don't do it, they'll be attracted elsewhere. Mm. We have to say if you if I just we're all involved here in Longford in various initiatives or whatever. Can somebody show me the plan that says in Longford over the next five years we are demanding? insisting that we're going to have 2,000, 3,000 jobs created. I don't no. know where it is. Well, I haven't seen that, yeah. definitely. But no. that's what we, yes, need, we need to be about. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's, it's, But I know there's an awful lot, of, but we do need to have it. Look at the cathedral. The cathedral went on fire. What happened? People didn't wait for the Pope to come and start helping. Mm. The committee, locally, <laughs> yeah. have sat down and said, right, we were going to rebuild it. That's it. It's that type of initiative we need yeah, yeah. for to create economic well-being here and to create yeah. jobs yeah. in Longford. Pat, from your own point of view, if there was one thing, one idea that you would like to to propose uh, for Longford, what would it be? Well, I suppose if you if you really were looking at the long at the longer term, uh, you'd you'd love to see uh, um, another Abbott or mm. uh, you know that that one where you'd have jobs for 25, 30, 35 years, whatever you know, ones that were uh, sustainable, good jobs, that type of thing. And I think that's basically we have so few uh, of, of of that type of job. I think mm. that's what I'd like to see. Granted, we have the government departments, a couple of them here, and maybe the decentralisation could be. Longford is now with the new road networks for Dublin in particular and places like that. People would come probably come back here to work if if we could get something like that. But it it would definitely need to be long term sustainable. And I I yeah. think. Something like that. It is a lack of opportunity. It isn't is very it? much so. Yeah. I mean, see one of the world premier games companies, EA, yesterday announcing two hundred and twenty jobs. Yeah. Why did Galway get it and Longford didn't? Mm. And because uh, of <laughs> access to third level education <laughs> and, and road networks <laughs> yeah. and airports you know, and broadband. And would you imagine like well, that was not, right? It's not that's 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 no, right down our street. It, graduates. Yeah. That's what they're going to be we looking for. We don't have the university yeah. here, but we do yeah. have the graduates. Yeah. So I accept what we're saying is that the university would be a huge asset, but we shouldn't simply say because we don't have a university, we can't have the jobs. Mm. Yeah. We have to look and say, play to our strengths. I don't believe that we're not going to have a university in the next five years here or whatever. I don't know if we're ever going to get a third level institution, but what we have to do is make good of what we have and to create the environment. It's right what Pat is saying. Abbott's textbook example of utilising the brains of this 
uh, region yeah. and the benefit that that's going to have because okay prior to that you had the Burlington's and it was a different environment mm, out yes, there yeah. we competed we won in that we were a bit maybe slow off the mark realising that there's a different trend out there now in relation to the world economy but what we have now in my view is Longford need to demand we need to insist because if we don't look for it nobody yeah. else there's a well, saying yeah. that people say you know if it was meant for you it won't pass you by yeah. I don't think that yeah. really can be applied <laughs> in the present I think, circumstance I think myself Longford and generally, people in Longford lack the ambition to achieve what you're after outlining there. Well, well, it's not. Look, at people in Longford are no different. They've gone off and played, um, you know, uh, contributed on a major national, international mm. stages. It's not that some, if you're born in Longford, yeah, yeah. you're born with a disadvantage. No. But I think maybe uh, we have left it to others. Mm. Uh, yes. And what we have yeah, to I do, uh, and I was involved in that going through it years ago when we had leader programs in Cavan, Monaghan, that were pumping money in. Mm. And we looked and all. And I remember being involved in the agri and I said to a group of people in Longford a long, long time ago, you know, why don't we apply to Europe? And that we did, and we have Longford Community Resources mm. to distribute 9 million. But look, there's an awful lot of... The people in Longford can do it, there's no doubt. Uh, it's a matter of having the confidence in, if you put the effort in, you will get the results. It's a gamble. Yeah. You have to put the effort in first, and the results will come. But look, we need it, because if we don't uh, do something now... Uh, we'll have missed another opportunity. And we're not at the top of anybody's political or e- economic agendas, uh, Pat. I, that I would seem to be the case. I mean, I, I, I go back to that question, why did... Yeah, you yeah. Know? So we need our I own agenda. Yeah, absolutely, it, yeah. I think so. Okay. You know, and I mean, if we're going to talk to the IDA and Enterprise Ireland and those people, we, we Pat's task force, the people who'd head that up might be going in with our politicians and, and really demanding that something like that is, is, is located here. All right, OK. Pat O'Toole and Pat O'Rourke, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And that's Leader Talk for this week. We're back with another podcast for you on Friday, June the 11th. In the meantime, you can keep up to date on all the news in Longford on our website. That's www.longfordleader.ie. So until next time, from Finton Duffy, it's bye-bye.